So today we're still in Luke. And I want to let you know I'm taking a little different uh, swing at Christmas this year. Usually I'll take four or five weeks and we'll look at the incarnation. And we've done this a myriad different ways. And I'm concerned that my timing may be off this year. See, I'm supposed to get to Luke 2 by December 23rd. That gives me four Sundays. And I thought I can rush it and get there. Or I can continue on through the incarnation as we work through the book. So I thought we'll take a vote. We ain't taking a vote, people. But what struck me was the Lord sets up the incarnation in the Gospel of Luke very uniquely and very differently than in any other gospel. In fact, Mark doesn't talk about the birth of Christ. Um, John doesn't talk about the birth of Christ in the sense of Luke 2. But Luke doesn't begin with 2. Luke begins with 1. And I was looking, and there's, there's so much stuff here. And Luke begins the gospel account. Luke begins the Christmas story with bum ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum bum We interrupt this program for breaking news. bum ba bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum bum In the days of Herod, king of Judea, Luke punches into history to show us that Christmas is about breaking news. And what I want to start to talk about today is what this breaking news was and what's going on and why it's happening, so that when we get to Luke 2, we might understand how we got to Luke 2. Amen? So if my timing's off, please forgive me. Maybe we'll make it, maybe we won't. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, and they were, I'm sorry, righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and you and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And now, guys, it goes bad. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. And when his time for service was ended, he went to his home. 
After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. This is the word of the Lord. This is about 14 sermons worth of material. What am I going to do? There is so much here. I mean, so much here. But let me bang into it this way. This is an ordinary couple. Zechariah, Elizabeth. What was Zechariah's vocation? You know how many priests there were at this time? Over 18,000 priests. It's warm today, folks. Zechariah was an ordinary priest serving in an ordinary place, doing an ordinary job. There ain't nothing special about this guy. He had an ordinary wife. She came from the, the lineage of Aaron. So her daddy, her granddaddy, and her brothers were all priests. Godly folks, ordinary folks, between 60 and 80 years of age. That's what that term advanced in years means. And they had no kids. I love how Luke does. It's just kick, kick Elizabeth while she's down. You know why they had no kids? Because Elizabeth, she was barren. They were old. An ordinary couple. An ordinary couple serving an extraordinary God by doing ordinary things. But the world would look at them and go, oh, something wrong with you. You don't have kids. Oh, your wife's barren, is she? Well, we know why she's barren. Unrighteous she is. And God takes this couple this ordinary priest, and he just blows this sucker up. I don't know how far we're getting today, but watch verse 6, and I want you to slow down and look at this. What's verse 6 say? And they were what? Hold up. They were both righteous before God. Now, before men, they weren't righteous, right? She was barren. But before God, they were righteous, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Church, why were they righteous? Evelyn nailed it. They were walking according to the commandments and statutes, right? Wrong! Why were they righteous? What does it say? Why were they righteous? This is the first miraculous event you're going to see in Luke. Why were they righteous? You remember Romans? By grace through faith, God chose to make them righteous. An ordinary couple doing ordinary things who was made extraordinary by God. God made them righteous. Not because they were walking in obedience. They walked in obedience. Why? Say it out loud. Do you see this? God uses common people made uncommon through new birth in Christ. This is an ordinary couple evidencing their righteousness by walking blamelessly. Blameless meaning God sees them as blameless before him in his statutes. If you're righteous, you will walk in obedience. Obedience is a visible manifestation of righteousness. You hear me there? These folks were saved. And because they were saved, they walked with God. Why were they righteous? Because God simply chose to make them righteous. Remember Romans? Is anyone here saved? <laughs> Pastor's worst nightmare. Is anyone here saved? Do you know why you're saved? Because God chose to make you righteous. And if you're saved, you know what you do? 
you walk blamelessly before God according to his commandments. I mean, uh, see where we could go with the whole stinking Simon? <laughs> He's chosen by Lot. He's going into the end of the temple, into the holy place, to the altar of incense. This is not a common thing. He's the only one in there, beautiful room, walks literally up to the curtain to the Holy of Holies, carrying coal in a bowl made of gold. And he is inches from the Shekinah glory of God. Pull that curtain, you do die. He is chosen, can only be chosen once in your life. Most priests are never chosen to do this. Walks in to the holy place. Pinnacle of priestly service. One priest a day, chosen by lot, 18,000 priests plus, do you do the numbers? It's a one in 49 shot best that you get to do this in your life. He walks in. He's in there. He's got to be like, I don't. what would you be like if you're inches from the Shekinah glory of God? People outside praying, doing what the incense is supposed to be represented. My man, common Zeke, is in the holy place. And he's in there, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And it ain't a chubby baby in a diaper with wings. It's a mighty messenger warrior. Shows up in the temple, and it says where he's standing. You see that? You want to know why it says that? You want to know the significance? There's none. It's just that he was physically present. And he says to my man Zeke, you're going to have a baby. Zeke says, your prayer been heard. The Lord has answered. And it ain't just any baby, my man. You're going to have the promised Malachi 4, forerunner of Messiah. Messiah is coming. Your son is announcing it. Praise the Lord. You will have joy. The people will have joy. And my man Zeke goes, Huh? How that going to happen, boom? And then Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. And you all will be like, what you telling me that for? <laughs> but Zeke knew Daniel 9. Gabriel's the mega messenger. And he said, dude, you got issues. I'm Gabriel. Daniel 9, Gabriel. I got a mega message. In Zechariah, notice Zechariah's response. Hey, Gabriel, what's up? What does he do when Gabriel shows up? Why? Well, same reason Isaiah, Ezekiel, Manoah, Jeremiah, John. Angel shows up, you fall down. They're holy creatures from the presence of God. Dang, you imagine if God himself showed up, what might happen to you? Oh, I can't wait to meet God. Chill out, Captain. Pump the brakes there, fella. Let's get to how you can meet him. I don't even know what book I'm in here. Let's get back to Luke. There we go. And he says to him, Zeke, you will not speak because you did not believe the Lord. You will be silenced until this stuff takes place. And he's also deaf. Do you see it says there he's deaf? No. no. It says mute. But I said he's deaf and mute. 
Some may say, Pastor, why would you say that? It makes for a better story. Somebody say, Pastor, that's heretical. You're right, so I'll point to later in Luke chapter 1. And if you look at verse 62, they made signs to him, inquiring what he wanted the boy to be called. You know why they're making signs? Why don't they just go, what you want him to be called? He couldn't hear. So they're like. Yes. And he can't talk. And he comes out. And I love when he comes out. Can't speak. Can't hear. He's supposed to share the ironic blessing. And he comes out. And people are like, what's going on with Zeke? Why, why is he taking so long? Oh, I bet he looked behind the curtain. Oh, he had sin issues. What? Zeke! They wouldn't yell in there. He comes out. And I, this, is, this is, in my sick mind, my favorite part of this text. He comes out, and look what he's all doing here. Look in your Bible. What's he doing? Like, what's he doing? And they're all sitting there going, oh, oh. And then they're calling, you know, the guys from the deli we looked at in Romans. Put down the roast beef. Look at Zeke, he's crazy. And he's making signs. And he can't talk. And he goes home and they have a baby just as the Lord said they would. Oh, there's so much I could unpack here. Uh, this is Christmas. Kind of. We're getting there. Amen. Why is Luke putting this here? My friends, listen to this. You look at verse 78. One of 78. 78 of one. There's a sunrise coming. You see that? Whereby the sunrise shall visit us. Malachi 4, 1 and 2. God has been silent for 400 years. And all of a sudden, God shows up in an angel, angelic message and speaks. The forerunner, the Elijah man, will come to declare Messiah. And he tells this to an ordinary priest with an old wife who's barren, old himself, and he says, you're going to have that baby. God punches through the silence, and he says, we interrupt this sacrifice, this incense offering with breaking news. You will have a child. It will be the forerunner to the Christ. He will be your son. But what? How's that going to happen? And Zechariah is punished by being silenced. Mm. Could you imagine if we were all silenced every time we doubted God's word? Do you know what church would look like on a Sunday? That would be the whole thing. And you all be like. <laughs> and there would be one person speaking. And then we'd be like. Oh no. God takes this seriously. What would be the worst part about being mute? Don't give me the church answer. Give me the, give me the real answer in your head. What's the worst part about being mute? Couldn't communicate with one another. My wife might like that. What else is bad about being mute? That's the deaf part. But yes, you can't hear music. 
you would have some relational issues, wouldn't you? It's kind of hard to be a priest if you're mute. Remember years ago, I called Jim up. Hey, Jim, I lost my voice. Can you preach tomorrow? He laughed at me. He said, sure. But if the whole sucker went away, how would I? I have to run up to his house. He's like, what are you doing? Mm. You know what the worst part of being mute is? Listen close. What's the worst part? You cannot declare the truth of God's word or proclaim his glory. You hear me there? The reason it was a punishment to Zechariah was he couldn't declare the Lord's glory. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Pastor, how do you know? Because I'm really smart. <laughs> Actually, because I read verse 64. What's the first thing Zeke does after John is born? And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed. And what does he do? First thing he does, what does he do? He spoke blessings of God. You have a mouth so that you can bless and praise and proclaim the excellencies of God. Do you know the worst part of being mute is you can't do what your mouth was made to do. The worst part about being deaf is you can't hear what the Lord has to say. But think about how often we voluntarily submit ourselves to the same punishment that Zeke had thinking it's a blessing. Who here has shared the gospel this week with someone? And I'm not talking about talking about God. I mean, share the gospel. Come to Sunday school. I'll unpack that one for you. You know why you didn't share the gospel? Voluntary muteness. You don't see it as an invitation to joy. You see it as a burden you don't want to bear. Who here is a stewards of Sabbath, as the Lord calls? Who knows what he calls you to do? Who here financially stewards, as God calls? Or maybe you can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Who here relationally stewards? Listen, God invites us to live for his glory according to his word. And his word is always what? You got it. Oh, you people are scared to death of me. I would be too. What's he, what is he going to say? Is he going to point? Is he going to come stand next to me? I don't know. Should I go sit with a Hoover? Dan's creeping over. Dylan's smiling. God's word is always what? He said to Zechariah, you would have a son, old dude. I mean, he could be up to 80 years of age. It's not that old, right? We got some people. That's, it's not that old. But you ain't going to have a kid. He had a baby. Why? Because God said so. And it wasn't any baby. Why? Because God said so. The sun would rise. Why? Because God said so. The word of the Lord is true. Why? Because God says so. Our job is to be invited by God to trust in his word, live our lives in light of that as we proclaim his glory in word and deed. Amen? But we too often think that's a burden. Or we too often don't listen to what God says. A modern American Christian, deaf, Mute. A biblical Christian. They were righteous before the Lord, walking according to his commandments and statutes. Were they perfect people? Dude called God a liar. 
Yet he was righteous by grace through faith. See, I want to do like five sermons here. But the Christmas story starts with an invitation to believe the word of God, to live in light of the truth of God's word. And my friends, Zeke was punished because he did not believe God. Amen? Do you believe God? Do you live, how much can I get away with? Or what blessing does God intend to give me? is I glorify him through obedience. I'll let you guys chew on that. God says do this. Well, do I, do I have to? Do I have to share the gospel? Do, do, you, do you have to be a part of a church family? Do you have to steward the Sabbath? Do you really have to give financially back to the Lord? I don't know, I'll let you work that out. What does he say? But what is he inviting you to? Is it how much, how little can I do and still be saved? Or how much blessing can I receive from God by walking in obedience to him? Zeke spent nine months robbed of a blessing because he doubted God. My friends, Christmas is really starting with this. Do you believe God's word is true? Do you desire to receive the blessing of God by walking in obedience to him? God's will will be done. The only question is, will you be used by him in the process of glorifying him and receiving the joy he intends for you? It's really what Christmas is all about. God's word is true. It ain't about a tree. It's about that tree. It ain't about a gift. It's about this gift. It's about the fact that God brought salvation to the world. Jesus, Emmanuel, do you believe? Do you trust? Are you righteous? If you are righteous, you will believe and you will trust. So Zeke goes home. Imagine when he got home. Elizabeth is all ready for him. She's like, hey, honey, I missed you so much. You were gone for two weeks. It seems so long. I'm so glad you're home. And he's like, she's like, Zechariah, what did you do? Zechariah, what did you do? For five months, she stayed hidden. Why? Was she going to come out? Miriam, Rebecca, I'm pregnant. You sick old lady, what are you talking about? You're pregnant. Your husband all flapping his arms and you're... She didn't want to face shame walking out, not looking pregnant. They didn't wear clothes like we wore. They wore flowing garments. Five months. Right? Rebecca, I'm pregnant. Zechariah's not crazy? No. You're pregnant? Yes. What happened? Let me tell you a story. My friends, when you go out into the world and the world looks at you, what do they see? When you go out in the world and you speak, what do they hear? When the Lord looks at your life and how you steward everything he entrusts to you, what does he see? Do you see he for who he is? Amen? 
was this baby really born as Gabriel said it would be? Well, you can come back next week, and we'll get to that. Actually, we won't get to it next week. We'll talk about Jesus next week. But we're talking about Jesus this week, too. Was John the Baptist born? Come on, not a trick one. Did he point to Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God. Was it really Messiah? Did Jesus do everything he said he would do? Did he conquer sin and death? Did he rise from the grave three days later? Look at the end of Luke. These apostles are doubting Jesus. I read it this morning. They're filled with doubt and fear. My friends, Zechariah is no different than you and me. If you're saved, he's no different than you or me. But he sets an example. Don't doubt God. God's word is true. God's will will be done. The only question is, will you be used by God for his glory so you can receive the blessing he intends for you? God does not need you. But God does have a wonderful plan for your life. You want to know what it is? No? God has a wonderful plan for your life. That you would die and glorify him in the process. You say, well, that's not so wonderful. Oh, no, no, no. That is far more wonderful than you can comprehend, but you're just sin sick still. You're still a recovering sin addict. You're the alcoholic going, but, but, but it's so much better at the bar when I'm drunk. And the sober person says, you have no idea. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is not so much better to try to get away with as much sin as you can. Walking in righteousness according to the word of God for the glory of God is where life and joy and peace is found. And God is glorified. So, where in your life are you failing to trust in the word of God? Perhaps the first issue is, God speaks, but I ain't listening. Listen, this is, this is hard because it's American Christianity. People don't read this thing. Don't believe something's true because I say it's true. Please don't ever do that. Everything I say, check it out here. Don't assume you know the gospel because I have told you what the gospel is because you might end up in hell. Assume I told you the gospel because you read it in here. You can only know the word of God with full certainty if you read it in the book of the word of God. Amen? We must hear the word of the Lord. Come Sunday. Come to Sunday school. Gather for Bible study. Live in fellowship. But focus it all on the word of God. Amen? Amen. This is the rock upon which we stand. The only true and certain word. Hear it. But then apply it. Do you ever think of how you steward a Sabbath? I don't know why I'm picking this today. What are you doing this afternoon? And why and how does that fit into God's word? Now let's be honest. 90 plus percent of us here have no idea. And that's so, it's, let, me, let me be careful with my wording here. That is not a matter of salvation, but it's a missing of an invitation to glorify God and enjoy him as he calls us to. You want to know what God intends a Sabbath to look like? That's a complicated question. But there's a clear biblical answer. It just takes a lot of time to unpack and then apply. Financial stewardship. How much do you have to give God? You guys know the answer to that one? It's easy. To be saved, how much do you have to give to the Lord of what he entrusts to you? Zero. Zero. 
But how often do we go through this with, we wouldn't say this out loud, what's the bare minimum I can get away with? If I'm saved by grace through faith, if I give God like five bucks, is that good enough to keep him off my back? Yeah. What does God's word say? What does God want your money for? Does God need money? God desires to use you for his glory and your joy. How much does he want? Why don't we apply biblical principles? Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we see that it's not a legalistic checkoff? Why don't you share the gospel? Each and every time God calls you to, it's because you fear and fail to trust in the word of God. And me too! We don't think God will do what he says he will do. We don't understand what the gospel really is. We don't understand who we are in Christ and who we are outside of Christ. We are acting like Zeke. Go and make disciples. Jesus, knock it off. You know what you're talking about. Oops. Christmas is about this, that God's word is always true, that God saves us to joy. Do you love the Christmas songs, Joy and Peace? Christmas is about joy and peace. For those who are righteous before God, to be enjoyed as they walk with God. Christmas is about death and damnation to those apart from Christ. But that's why Pastor John doesn't like preaching Christmas Eve too often. My friends, oh, there's so much I want to say. A common, ordinary couple, saved by grace through faith, used by God in a magnificent way. Do you ever feel useless before God? Planes coming in for a landing, everybody take a deep breath. Do you ever feel like you're useless to God? You can't possibly have a substantial impact for the Lord. What's your purpose? What is God going to use you for? What is God, listen to me, you read the Bible and you tell me who are the people God used most powerfully and magnificently for his glory. They weren't famous. Average, ordinary, common people walking in daily obedience. Christmas is an invitation to stop trying to make a name for yourself and live in the fullness of the name you've received in Christ. Amen? There's nothing special about you, but there's everything special about you in Christ. An ordinary priest with an old wife. <laughs> Honey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know how that went for Zeke. He came home. You all, you all know how this stuff happens. If not, you can come to real conversations. And then all of a sudden, one day she comes up, Zechariah! You're still mute. I'm pregnant. And you know he should be like praising God, but there's a problem. Can't speak. And you know part of him's going, if he could speak, are you sure? Are, Elizabeth, are, did you do the test again? <laughs> of course she's sure. God said she would. My friends, we're going to see Mary. Mary, you're not an old lady. You're a young kid. You've never been with a man. You ain't going to be with a man. 
But you might have a baby. And it ain't just a regular baby. It's God's baby. Why do we think God isn't going to get us through, come through for us for his name's sake, or care for us perfectly? Do you know what the Sabbath really is about? It's an invitation to rest in God, to rest in the truth of God, to walk more fully in the truth of God, and to glorify God by saying, listen, I got seven days of work, but I'm going to pull it off in six, because you said I could. Where are people who collect manna on Sunday when God says take two of it on Saturday, amen? And part of the problem is we're not collecting the appropriate amount through the week to get through Sunday. But that's all of life. Zechariah, first thing he did when he could speak again is praise the Lord. My friends, anybody here mute? Now here's where we'll go down in Sunday school today. I encourage you to join us if you can. How do we properly praise God with our mouths? Especially when it comes to the gospel. How do we proclaim the gospel to people? And are you sure you're proclaiming the gospel and not just facts about God? Zechariah had a marvelous story to tell, and he was punished by being silenced. We have the same problem. We doubt God's word. My friends, do you remember who God really is? In the beginning, God created. Think about in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. Go back to right before that. Picture that in your mind's eye. Can you picture it? In the beginning, what was before the beginning? Kevin, help us out. You got the highest degree here. You're the scientist. What comes before the beginning? Don't you have to answer. I'm putting them on the spot. What does nothing look like? See, you can't do that because, because to look like requires something. What am I messing with your heads here? Because I want you to understand that God is unfathomable. Before anything was, God am. Moses says, who should I say sent me? I am. That's a heck of a name. The baby's name will be John. God is gracious. God's name is Yahweh. I am. You chew on that. Uh, uh. God creates everything, rules over everything, owns everything, stewards everything, directs everything. God will be glorified by everything. This is who God is. God says, you must be perfect. Anyone here perfect? You know what Zechariah and Ezekiel knew? Not Ezekiel, Elizabeth, that would be an awkward marriage. Zechariah and Elizabeth knew. They believed God was who he said he was. They knew the law of God, and they knew that they did not measure up. They knew that God was gracious and merciful and offered forgiveness to sinners because they had read Isaiah. They turned to God and cried out for mercy and grace and forgiveness, and God saved them through the work of Christ that would still come. These were people who knew who God was, knew who they were apart from God, and knew who they were through the Messiah to come. Amen? My friends, if we understand who God really is, who we really were, and who we really are in Christ, my word, how we would live for the glory of God. And this is a struggle of life that we battle through together because we daily doubt God's word. 
You can't look down on Zechariah. Look at you, you idiot. The angel spoke to you and you doubted him. What's wrong with you? No, because you just come upside Zechariah and you go, eh. yeah, I do that too all the time. It's really hard to, to even look at Peter. Peter, what? You idiot. You're denying Christ? You're walking with him all these years. He told you it was going to happen. He said, just stay up and pray, man. And you keep dozing off and you deny him. What's wrong with you? Now it looks like this. Peter, I do that too. Zechariah, Gideon, Moses. Remember Moses? Go talk to Pharaoh. I can't. I mean, Really? You look at you're like Moses. What is wrong with you? Church family. What is wrong with you? But I said it to myself first. Let's just close it up here. God keeps his promises. I mentioned Malachi 4 2. You know where Malachi is in your Bible? See how fast you can find it? Malachi is actually the Italian prophet. Most people will refer to him as Malachi. And if you don't know where it is, you go to Matthew and you just turn left. And at the very end of Malachi, in chapter 4, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Then it got really quiet for 400 years. God spoke through no prophets. God performed no miracles. Somebody want to question me on that? Stick around for a couple weeks. I'll tell you how I know that too. In Zechariah, generation after generation of generation of priests, God never spoke, walked into the temple. Pinnacle of priestly service. Golden bowl with, with coal from the altar of burnt offerings. Walks up to prepare and offer the incense offering right by the curtain to the Holy of Holies surrounded by gold in the presence of the Shekinah glory of God, just right there. This is, this is pinnacle time for this common ordinary priest. And an angel speaks. And do you know what the angel was in fact saying? Because this is what Zechariah says when you get to verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. He's saying 400 years, people felt like God was quiet and distant and removed. He wasn't distant and removed. He was working perfectly. My friends, God keeps his promises. God keeps his word in his perfect time, in his perfect way, and you have two jobs. Know his word, and trust in his word. First and foremost for salvation, and then living in obedience as those who are saved or called and saved to live for his glory. Number two, I only have three. Number two, God uses ordinary people through small beginnings. 
God does not need you to start a movement, to write a bestseller, to make a name for yourself, or to get famous. He doesn't need you at all. But as you walk in humility and prayerfully according to the word of God, he has use for you as you trust in him. And what might he do? You may never know on this side of eternity. Luke had no idea. You think Zechariah fully understood what just happened? Do you think he got it when Elizabeth said, I'm pregnant? He had no clue. Do you think when the baby was born, he knew what was going on? It was a strange kid, too. I'll show you that coming up. This wasn't like the, 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 the kid who was like going through high school. It was like, oh, big man on campus. This was a kid who never showed up for class because he's dressed up in weird camel clothes, eating locusts. He's like the kid you see in school picking his nose. John did not pick his nose, but he's in the sense of he was a little weird. Don't you think for a minute that John and Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't go, what's wrong with our boy? Nothing wrong with your boy. You just have no idea. Then he grew up. And listen to me. He did not become advanced in years, did he? You remember what happened to John? But... He, ah, oh dang, I'll try to be quick here. It says right here, I skipped verse 14 through 17 for you who are paying attention. That's, a, that's a, two sermons in there. He will be great. This is the greatest man born of woman. Luke 7, we'll get there in about 17 months. Won't be that long. Do you know what made Luke, what made Luke, what made John great? Why, why was he the greatest? Because in Luke 7, it says, but in the kingdom of God, he ain't the greatest one ever. I'll let you figure that one out when we get there. Do you know what made him great? He was the first person to be able to proclaim Christ. My friends, the greatest ministry the world had ever known was entrusted first to John in the sense of, behold the Lamb of God. The kid of an ordinary couple, a totally imperfect couple made perfect in Christ. God uses ordinary people through small beginnings. Do you think John had any clue how many preachers would use the words he said recorded in Scripture, behold the Lamb of God? Do you think he fathomed how many billions of people over the ensuing 2,000 years, years would be able by grace through faith to say to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God? Friends, I hope you're ordinary people, because God uses people like that. Number three, and we'll end here. God invites us to be used by him for his glory and our joy as we walk in obedience and proclaim his excellencies. Don't forget Zechariah's punishment, because too often we'd see it as a blessing. Remember, imagine Jesus showed up here. God's grace, I want to let you know you will be unable to share the gospel with anyone until you die. Y'all be like, booyah! Never do I want you to speak of me. Never, in fact, do I want you to give anything to me. You take your Sundays and you use them how you want. Finances, invest it how you see fit. You're saved. You're righteous. Whatever you want to do. Every relationship, use it for your own purposes. Don't worry about it. You are free from doing anything I call you to. 
You see, in the flesh, we'd be like, Ugh! but on the other side of eternity, you know what you would do? You would grieve. Don't forget Zechariah's punishment. It was not a gift. It was a punishment. We are saved so that we might glorify God because that's what life is all about. Adam and Eve's greatest punishment wasn't getting kicked out of the proverbial penthouse, if you will. It was fellowship with God was broken. Jesus grieved on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fellowship issue. My friends, we are saved to fellowship with God. And we fellowship with God as we trust in his word and walk in his power for his glory. You see, this doesn't typically fit into the Christmas narrative when we do it in four or five weeks. But Christmas starts like this. Breaking news. We interrupt this program with an extraordinary event. You guys got the first part of the extraordinary event. Next week, Gabriel shows up again. It says right there in 26, in the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Could you imagine what life was like for Gabriel? Hey, Gabriel, get over here. Message. Oy vey. Let's pray. Father, please help us. We are a hot mess. Or at least I am. Lord, we struggle. We struggle to listen to you. We struggle to trust in you. We struggle to wait on you. We struggle to believe that you will provide for all of our needs in Christ Jesus. We struggle to believe that you will use us. We struggle to believe that you love us as you do. Lord, we struggle. But we praise you that we struggle because struggling is a sign of life. Zechariah was not a perfect example. Zechariah was a perfect example of a person who needed a perfect savior. Zechariah called you a liar, yet you called him righteous. Lord, let us marvel at that for a minute. Peter denied you, but you never denied him. Gideon took a couple guys and destroyed a multitude in your power. Joshua marched and the walls fell down. Doubting Moses stood at the sea and you parted it. God, you are a God who uses common, ordinary, messed up people born anew in Christ for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that we might be people as such, that we would marvel at the fact that our significance comes from you minding us, as we saw in the Psalms this morning as we prayed. Who am I that you are mindful of me? But you are mindful of me because you are a gracious and merciful God. You are so gracious and merciful that you sent Lord Jesus to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life we couldn't, to die the death we deserve, and then three days later to rise from the dead. And Lord God, as we get to the end of Luke's narrative, and you are risen in the presence of the apostles, they still need to be reminded that you said you would rise. Lord Jesus, we need that reminder every day.
that you are risen. Lord Jesus, we need the reminder every day that we are loved. Lord Jesus, we need the reminder every day of what you have saved us from and what you have saved us to. Lord God, we are, especially at this time of year as believers, so thankful for the fact that you took on flesh. Lord Jesus, I pray that as a, the world offers so many accoutrements, that we, in fact, would stay focused on the foundational meaning of Christmas, that a baby was born to die so that dead people might live. Lord God, remind us of your power, your grace, and your mercy. Remind us of your holiness and majesty. Remind us of the reality of who you are and who we are in Christ, so that we might be like Zechariah and Elizabeth, insofar of marveling at the reality of the fact that we are righteous before God by grace through faith, and we are walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord for your glory. Father, please guide us as we continue through this study of Luke. Lord Jesus, please be big and bigger day by day before us. Allow us to behold you for who you are and rejoice in who we are by grace through faith. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I think you got the setup for communion pretty good. You know, it's the Easter table. It's the Christmas table. It's, in fact, the table that was behind the curtain. Do you know, while you can come to this table unworthily and not be struck down by lightning, though that did happen in Acts, if you want to read, I would caution you. It's a hard cleanup for us after. The only way to appropriately come to this table is by the curtain being torn on our behalf. Amen? And Christmas is, in fact, about the curtain being torn. Christmas without Easter is pointless. Easter without Christmas is meaningless. Put them together, and you have the Lord's table. So if you, in fact, know this Christ child who was born, who lived the perfect life that you couldn't, who died the death you deserve, and who took your sin upon himself so he might put his righteousness upon you, if you know this Jesus... And if you walk with this Jesus, I invite you to come forward and partake of this Jesus' table so that we might be strengthened in our faith for his glory. We would be reminded of the life he lived, reminded of the death he died, and do this in continuation until he returns as he has promised he will. If you know Jesus like that, I invite you to come forward down the center, return on the outside, and we'll close with a prayer and a benediction. I invite you to come.